Hello, I hope you're doing well. I'm Michalis Goudis and this is Making a House a Home, the podcast of Housing Europe, the European Federation of Public, Cooperative and Social Housing Providers. We're back with another episode of our series around the housing aspect of the coronavirus crisis. What is being done to address this multi-layered crisis? What needs to be done in the near and distant future at local, national and EU level? We are addressing these questions as well as many more over a series of short podcasts with one special guest each time. Today, I have the pleasure to welcome on this podcast the Secretary General of Housing Europe, Sorka Edwards. Since it's been a while we can't meet in the office, we had a Skype call with Sorka to discuss which aspects of an existing, underlying housing crisis has the current pandemic put forward and the response of the public, cooperative and social housing providers to this extremely challenging reality. After dealing with the present emergency, what should a medium to long-term policy response look like? Stay with us until the end of our conversation to find out. Stay at home is easier said than done for a large part of the EU population as the housing crisis is still a reality in many areas around the continent. Uh, which aspects of this crisis has the current pandemic put forward in your view? I think this uh, pandemic is really a wake-up call for housing policymakers and all of those in the housing world. Adequate housing, where people can self-isolate or isolate as a household or even have access to adequate sanitation, isn't right now it's unfortunately the only defense we have against this illness because there is no treatment we all can see this is a really a blunt policy instrument with massive social and economic costs but until we really have a treatment or a vaccine it's the only policy we have and i think what is really coming clear now is that uh, we have to think of the refrain we should judge a society on how the weakest are treated and now our society as a result of this virus is being judged in the harshest possible way Because right now, inadequate housing or homelessness can actually be a death sentence. And what we see is that our policies promoting flexible contracts in labour markets as well as housing systems are also being judged in the harshest possible way. We see that those in migrant camps and institutional setting like homeless shelters, obviously those um, encountering street homelessness, those also in overcrowded accommodation resulting from unaffordable rental housing, The, the, the phenomenon of youth housing exclusion, and also the housing for low-income groups, those working in key sectors like hospitality, construction, health, they're often housed far away from their place of work, making public transport necessary and thereby increasing the exposure. So what we are seeing in this wake-up call is all of these inadequate scenarios are putting people, individuals at risk, but also because of the contagion they're putting everybody in society at risk. So I think what is really key now is that we find a purpose in this crisis. And while the priority is now to continue social distancing and to support our vital healthcare services, the housing world must also draw some lessons from the suffering and death that humanity is now experiencing and find some sense and some hope. We have to use this space now to try to learn from the mistakes and to think differently. Well, indeed, some must find the purpose in this crisis. Some others have found their purpose a long time ago. Uh, the public cooperative and social housing providers manage around one in 10, let's say, homes in Europe at the moment. How are they coping with the current crisis? In many cases, I mean, it's their tenants that are hit uh, stronger. 
Yeah, this is really an excellent point. And now we have um, we've set up um, a blog to outline how how members are reacting to this. We've set up a members only forum to really enable them to exchange. And I must say the way members are reacting, it's really inspiring. And I think I speak for a whole team when I say that it's times like this when we see the members pulling together right in the way the in the direction that whole the whole of society actually needs to go, that we really feel exceptionally proud to work for the sector. And what we see that in many cases, there's no actual change to the services provided as such. So the services that they provide in normal circumstances, because it is it is business as usual for housing providers to run community outreach services, particularly for the elderly and the most vulnerable. They very often have payment plans um, which can be adapted according to changes in income. They very often help with assistance to accessing services and welfare. However, what we see is now that they are activating new measures so that they continue those services, which, as I say, are business as usual, so that they continue those despite these really difficult circumstances. Mm-hmm. And is there a coordinated action? I mean, is the sector trying to act together uh, through these tough times? Well, it's a very good point because I think this unity of the sector now, it's it's more vital than ever. I mean, what we see is that the, the federations, so the trade associations are, are really playing a key role in these times. They're providing legal and financial advice and they're interpreting the rapid changes, uh, often at national level or at regional level. They're interpreting those financial and legal changes for their members and their tenants, uh, which is a, which is a mammoth task, as you can imagine. Um, and these, they are the housing providers, because what they have to do is now to figure out how to keep their basic services running. So even issues like cleaning, keeping lifts running, dealing with cases of infection within the, the homes that they manage, um, keeping up to date with restrictions and changes to welfare. So this central point of information that the Fed, the federations are providing is turning out to be really crucial. We can also then see at a more strategic level where this joining together is so crucial. We can see examples of where the sector is calling jointly for measures at national level to protect all tenants. So not only those they are working for, um, but also because what we see is that in many cases, mortgage holders have received Mm. directly support in many countries. But in many cases, the situation is still not so clear for tenants. So it's crucial to clarify that. Yeah. Uh, final question. I mean, we discussed with uh, Professor Manuel Albert from Carl Leuven in another episode of Making House a Home, the long-term effects of what he describes as the coronavirus housing crisis. What should be, in your view, the main ingredients of the right policy mix to address the consequences of this current extraordinary situation? Yes, this is, I think this question is going to be on many people's mind many people's mind but i first of all we have to recognize that in many parts of europe the end of this crisis is really not yet in sight Mm -hmm. so the emergency the main consideration is now still saving lives uh, through social distancing but then even in the short term after the lockdown finishes uh, the cleaning and hygiene systems they will also have to be adapted and considered to to this new reality and and to 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 these type of threats um and obviously, the, the, for policymakers, the clear message for the mid to long term coming from that is we really need to bolster health, education and housing systems as the basis for strong societies and also strong economies. Whenever we, we cut corners in those three pillars, we see the, we, we see the, the costs in the outcome. Then more specifically, in terms of housing, 
I think, yes, these insights from Professor Albers are really, really appreciated. He's been closely tracking the trends since the great finance, financial crisis. So we can learn from those insights. And we have to try to integrate the lessons that he has learned during that period into how we move forward. For instance, um, in, in the podcast that, that you published, he said that there is a risk now the, that the drops in shares, share values in the transport energy sectors may result in a renewed interest in investment in housing as an asset. And this obviously has to be monitored so that it doesn't mean a further concentration of housing wealth, which which lead to which may potentially lead to further housing exclusion. Mm. We we just I think what is what's crucial is that we as I said earlier, we, we need to work so that this um this event, this pandemic, um is not a death sentence for vulnerable groups, but a death sentence for, for policies at the root of these inequalities which are now so visible. I think we need to honestly evaluate and uh, the policies or the lack of policies that resulted in the current housing exclusion levels. I mean, we can think of already examples that are coming up when we read the, the daily news. I mean, for instance, to do with, with short-term lettings. In cities where there were a high proportion of short-term lettings, we, sudden, we see a sudden influx in rental accommodation mm. of entire flats. I mean, this calls into question the business model of, of those short-term lettings. And, and it really shows that it's increasingly based not on sharing a primary home, but really um, potentially using loopholes for large scale private uh, real estate um, activities. And I, I think we have to evaluate whether this accommodation, uh, which is now um, being let on the in the long term market, should be um, allowed to be relet on the short term market once this crisis is over. I mean, that's just a simple example. But we can also see um, flaws in how cities have been managing, for example, using land or even public housing as a cash cow for short term liquidity, which, as we can see in the long term, costs dearly. There, there are many examples where where policymakers are taking this short term view, which costs more. We have to use this space and use, in a way, this this human tragedy. So we've come together with the, the UNEC Housing Land Management Committee and UN Habitat I think this it's a really important point in time now to rethink together what this new post uh, corona housing policy landscape should look like so we've come together um in the housing 2030 initiative um to really make policymakers see that actually we can change direction we can think differently about housing and it doesn't have to mean massive massive disruption we can handle land policy finance governance in a different way to bring about more resilient housing systems and i think if we don't use this this time and this space to do this i think um we will really be letting letting society down let's leave it there Mm -hmm. sorka thanks a lot for this unusual skype call this is not something we regularly do but Mm -hmm. in times of social distancing skype can be the solution so thank you for that it's true it's true yeah thank you This has been the second episode of our COVID-19 series of our Making a House a Home podcast. Stay tuned for the next one on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. And of course on our website www.housingeurope.eu where you can also find the coronavirus related blog under housingeurope.eu slash COVID-19. Do you have any particular issues you would like us to address? Then feel free to drop us a line at communications at housingeurope.eu or on Twitter at Housing Europe. 
Michalis Gudis has produced and moderated this podcast. Until next time, take good care of yourselves and keep on smiling. Thank you.